All right, we are going to continue the story three below, which is a sequel to Floors. But there was doubt in her voice. It was, after all, the Whippet Hotel. It was full of surprises. Only seconds ago, she produced a miracle burp of a lifetime. Maybe there was a monkey somewhere nearby. Blop began talking about monkeys. Lupa, who'd been scared and therefore trying to keep quiet up to that point, peeked her head out from the other red jacket pocket. There are 264 different species of monkeys, Blop said, but Jane Yancey was suddenly and irreversibly mesmerized by Lupa. Blop went on and on about marmosets and night monkeys and howlers and spider monkeys. Put a sock in it, robot, Jane Yancey said, reaching out toward Lupa. Lupa made a ridiculously cute gurgling sound, and Jane Yancey cackled like a hyena. I must have it! I will have it! She said, laughing. The monkey for the bottle, and you've got complete silence, Leo said. Remy could not believe his ears. Was Leo really giving Lupa away? It couldn't be. He was heartbroken. Jane Yancey looked at the bottle of fart, Flart's Fizz and thought about how good it tasted. Better than anything she'd drank in her entire life. And that burp, that glorious burp, it was pure magic. Still, it was a monkey and not just any monkey. A tiny, goofy, silly monkey, small enough to put her doll clothes on. Here, she said. Take your stupid bottle of pop, but first give me the monkey. There's just one rule, Leo said. You have to promise me you'll follow it. I hate rules, Jane said. It's just, well, this is a rare monkey, a super rare monkey. So rare, there are certain people in this hotel who might want to take her from you. Miss Sparks, Jane Yancey asked. She was starting to come around. Yes, Miss Sparks. And not to be too harsh, but I think maybe your dad too. I mean, he's really into money, right? He'd probably want to sell Lupa if he finds out. Sell my monkey? Jane Yancey shrieked. Her heart was starting to melt for the little monkey in Remy's pocket. But he can't sell my monkey. Exactly, Leo said. He heard someone in the lobby around the corner where he couldn't see and brought down his voice. Which is why you need to keep the monkey in the flying farm room. No one goes in there, so it'll be safe, right? Right, she said. Jane Yancey smiled at Leo and made her best yucky face at Remy, both in the space of a second. She was lightning fast with her facial expressions. Leo and Remy piled into the duck elevator next to Jane. It was a tight fit, and as they climbed the floors up to the flying farm room, Remy reluctantly took Lupa out of his pocket. Her name's Lupa, Remy said. Be nice to her, okay? I'm the nicest person I know, fatso. Remy glad the grabbed the bottle of Flart's Fizz and went to open it, guzzle it, and mega burp Jane Yancey's face. He was barely overweight to begin with, like 20 pounds at most, and he actually had lost quite a few pounds since he'd seen this little jerk sitting in front of him. But he could see that Leo had been right. Jane Yancey melted into a gross puddle of girly sweetness the second Lupa landed in her lap. There was no way Jane Yancey would let anyone near Lupa. Lupa tried to squirm free, but Jane held the little monkey close and cooed at it, which calmed Lupa down. Remember, only the flying farm room, Leo said. It's not safe anywhere else. 
No problem, Jane said. Lupa curled up in her lap and made soft little monkey sounds, which sent Jane into a tizzy fit of giggles. When they arrived on the floor of the farm, flying farm room, Leo and Remy walked her to the door and unlocked it. I'll let you keep the key card, but only if you promise not to let her out. And you have to feed her, you know, monkey food. Leo looked at Remy, who shrugged. Neither of them knew what to feed a monkey. I'll figure it out, Jane said, and that was just like that. She snatched up the key card, passed through the door, and slammed it in their faces. You do have another key card for that room, right? Remy asked, because eventually we'll need to rescue my monkey from the clutches of that evil princess. As if on cue, both girls heard, <laughs> sorry, both boys heard Jane Yancey yell from the other side of the door. Rip off! This monkey has no tail! Come on, let's get out of here fast, Leo said. They picked up Blop and dropped off a hyper... hyper monkey, but there was still work to be done before their fateful encounter with Dr. Flart. They had found out where to put the zip rope, otherwise Lupus Tail, known as Lupus Tail. And they need to put it somewhere while avoiding Mr. Carp and Miss Sparks and finding six million three hundred thousand dollars. Chapter five The Isle of Penguins, a boy named Twist Robinson Crusoe. Leo and Remy stood in the Whippet Library. It was on the hidden 13th floor, and there was only one way of getting in there, the silver key card. Leo kept this card, which unlocked every door in the hotel, on a chain around his neck. It was the only silver key card in existence, so he was sure Miss Sparks would have loved to get her hands on it. Quite a ride, Remy said. His hair was standing on end, and his stomach didn't feel too good. It's the only way in, Leo said. The silver key card unlocked a panel in the duck elevator, which revealed four buttons that had to be pushed in the right order. Doing it right sent the duck elevator on a wild journey back and forth and up and down, ending on the 13th floor. Leo felt had left the one and only fuse they'd had in their possession in the duck elevator for safekeeping. He knew things might get a little wacky in the library, and he didn't want to risk breaking it. What did he say again? Remy asked, penguin, twisting desert island or something like that? Your brain works in mysterious ways, Leo said, and it was true. Remy wasn't right, but he was kind of close. Leo corrected him. An Isle of Penguins, the boy named Twist, and Robinson Crusoe. That's what I said, Remy concluded seriously. And he had, only not in so many words. You're right about one thing. Robinson Crusoe is the guy stranded on a desert island. Twist must be Oliver Twist, but the penguin has me stumped. They spent the next few minutes looking through Mergenzer's vast collection of books. The volumes ran floor to ceiling on 20-foot-tall shelves, snaking in every direction, and Remy insisted on being the one to ride the ladder while Leo pushed it. To the left, another few feet, Remy said as they searched for the Charles Dickinson section. Leo pushed the ladder, which rolled on wheels connected to the floor and ceiling until Remy told him to stop. Got it, Remy said, pulling out the book. He stood on the ladder waiting for something to happen, but nothing did. As I suspected, Leo said, the second book we're supposed to find, that's the second book we're supposed to find, not the first. They didn't know what the Penguin book was, so they searched for Robinson Crusoe, even though it wasn't the first book either. Got it, Remy yelled. 
Leo thought he heard a familiar sound coming behind it, but he wasn't sure. Was that coming down? Remy yelled before Leo could finish. Remy liked the idea of sliding down the ladder like it was a fire station pole. He let his feet flop onto the sides and slid down with only his hands holding on. It turned out that actually using a ladder like a sliding pole was not as fun as the idea of doing it. Within the first five feet, his hands were on fire, the friction burning hot against his skin like a supercharged rug burn. He tried to get his feet back on the rungs, which sent his legs flying wildly in every direction, like hail ricocheting against pavement. He landed hard, barely missing Leo, but somehow managed to get only a few scrapes and bruises. Yeah, let's hope the penguin is closer to the ground, Leo said. And also, I'm going up this time. You're scaring me. Leo started climbing the narrow ladder for a look around and quickly found himself up 20 rungs. Let's check the card catalog. Maybe that will help, Remy yelled with a snap of his fingers. Merchants or D. Whippet wasn't exactly anti-technology, but he did like to have everything written down in case whatever computer he was using went on the fritz. With the Whippet library, he always kept the entire collection in a card catalog system, organized in various ways. There were at least three cards for every book. So he found, because he found that sometimes he was searching for a writer, sometimes a title, and sometimes a subject. Searching through the authors was no help at all, so Remy knew pretty quickly that the writer's name was not Penguin. He searched through subjects, revealed a healthy selection of titles having to do with Penguin life, but came up empty-handed after searching through all of them for something about Isle of Penguins. This is taking a long time, Leo yelled down, frustrated and hungry. They hadn't eaten all day. Maybe we should take a break and get some animal crackers. Normally, this would have been immediately agreeable for Remy, but he just started searching through the title catalog and finally hit pay dirt. Penguin Island, Remy shouted, holding up a card and waving it like he'd won the lottery. I found it! Leo started climbing down, but halfway to the bottom, Remy began rushing up the ladder so fast, Leo lost his grip with one hand and spiraled out into the air. It's by a French guy named France, Remy said, lurching to a stop where he thought the book might be. Remy discovered that the writer was named France. Writer named France was French because Mergenzer D. Whippet had noted this fact on the card. A very Mergenzer thing to do. Leo spun back around and banged his knees on the ladder rung, but at least he had both hands attached again. He was safe for the moment. Did you not hear me screaming up here? Leo yelled. I know, right? I'm excited too, Remy called up. Let me know when you're going to push the ladder that hard again next time, will you? Leo asked. He was going to tell Remy about nearly falling to his death, but Remy spooked easily. Better just to let it pass. By the looks of this number, Penguin Island is way up there near the ceiling, Remy said. Should be right here, straight up. Leo looked up. It was the tallest section of the library, right next to the pond on the roof, which was had the most amazing glass bottom. He could see the ducks swimming around with the mottled late afternoon sunlight shining through. Are you sure? Leo asked. He really didn't want to go all the way up there with Remy holding this ladder. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like 70% sure. Tell me you, that you're not going to move the ladder, okay? Leo pl- pleaded. Check, Remy said, giving a salute. 
I can verify the information, Blob said. He'd gotten a look at the card, which Remy had shoved in his pocket. Mr. Whippet and I spent many hours creating the card system. Very complicated business. Lots of logic involved. You see, the way it works is the start of the... You start with the writer and cross-reference the subject with the title. Leo completely tuned out Blob's mechanical voice as it echoed through the library space. He climbed fast and with purpose until his head was nearly touching the ceiling. He could tell by looking back and forth that he was very near the center of the room. And when he looked at Remy, he realized how high he was, and it took his breath away. Grab the book, Remy called up. The sooner we get this done, the sooner we can get back in the elevator. Leo found the spine for Penguin Island. The author was on the spine too, France. Pulling out the book, Remy Leo hoped there wouldn't be some sort of explosion that would knock him off the ladder, but he didn't need to worry. Absolutely nothing happened. Oh, this is ridiculous, Leo said, irritated with Mergenzer's crazy way of hiding things. But peering into the space where the book had been, Leo saw another hidden book in the shadows. He pulled out four or five books on each side and dropped them to the floor. It rained books, and Leo felt bad. Not for Remy, who was unsuccessfully dodging about half of them, but because the books were being damaged on the way down. Try to catch them, Leo yelled, but he wasn't really paying attention to what was happening below. He was laser-focused on the copy of Oliver Twist that was standing alone between two slabs of marble. It was a hardback edition, thick and old. I think I'm figuring it out, Leo called to Remy. Great! Maybe warn me if you're going to keep throwing books. A guy needs to be prepared. But there were no more books to throw. Leo pulled out the copy of Oliver Twist and set it gently on the space he created by removing other less important books. And there it was. All alone, deep in the dark shadow of the library, a single book stood hidden. I think I found it, Leo said. Leo took a deep breath and reached back into the darkness. It crossed his mind that there might be spiders or rats or mice in the darkest part of an old library, and he hadn't actually seen what the book was. It was too dark for that. Still, he gathered his courage and reached all the way in up to his shoulder and took the spine in his hand, and then pulled. I got it! It's the right book! Leo yelled down. It's Robinson Crusoe! Leo waited for something to happen, but nothing did. He began to think that maybe he was supposed to do something with the book and started flipping through its pages. Um, Leo? Remy said. Ah, you set things in motion. Very exciting, Lop said. And then he went on and on about the mechanics of how the shells were moving. Unfortunately for Leo, he wasn't really listening to Blop, and Remy was apparently speechless. This book is past due. Leo said, shaking his head and wondering why it was hidden in a secret place. He had one arm hooked through the ladder as he came to the last page. It's not even Mergenzer's book. He checked it out from Brooklyn Public Library 23 years ago and never returned it. Leo, Remy said, getting his voice back. Hold on! Leo closed the book and looked down, wondering what the problem was. But before he could get a good look, Remy shoved the ladder as hard as he could. This time, Leo couldn't hold on. He was falling, and the only thing that was going to save him were the shelves of books that were flying past. Leo dropped the copy of Robinson Crusoe and reached out, grabbing the edge of the shelf full of books about polar bears, whales, and sea creatures. The impact stretched Leo's arms to the breaking point. Then he let go and caught the next ledge down. He was going slower the second time and held firm. 
Get out of the way, Leo! Remy shouted. Leo looked down and saw his legs hanging limply in the air. He was losing his grip, but that wasn't the worst part of his predicament. The shells below him were spinning like revolving doors. Ten feet high sections, starting at the floor, were whirling in circles as if stuck on a pole with a furious wind. Then the spinning sections of bookshelves were getting closer. Leo was nearly 40 feet in the air, but two 10-foot-high sections were already spinning, and the section right below him was starting to move. He didn't have much time before the section shelf he was hanging on would start spinning, too. Try to climb down, Remy yelled, but the ladder had been pushed off to the side, and the spinning shelves weren't going to let it back in. But how? Leo yelled. He glanced down as three of his four fingers on each hand pulled away. I could time this just right, Leo thought to himself. I can do it. The shelf Leo was holding on to began to move, and as it did, Leo let go with his last fingers. He landed with a thud on the turning shelf below and slid off to the side, nearly falling all the way to the hard floor of the library. Just as he was about to be knocked in the head by the shelf above, he dropped once more, landing on the top edge of the second highest spinning shelf. You're doing it, Remy yelled, clapping his hands together in excitement. I know, right? Leo smiled, but he shouldn't have he should have been watching where while he was celebrating. The shelf above him came around and knocked him off his feet. He tumbled down, landing hard on the first shelf, and then dropped the final ten feet like a bag of flour, knocking Remy over. Both boys crawled out of the way as Blop began talking about the book Leo had found. First book in the Whippet Library, Robinson Crusoe, Blop said. Leo was happy to be alive, and Remy was extremely glad his brother and best friend were okay. Was okay. Second book, Oliver Twist. Third book, let me guess, Remy said. Penguin Island. Third book, Penguin Island. Fourth book, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Fifth book, can you set him on the floor while we check this out? Leo said. There are thousands of books in here. He could be at this a while. Remy nodded his agreement and set Blop on the floor where he happily recited the names and order of the books that had become a part of the collection of the Whippet Library. I think we'll need to be careful, Remy said. Do you have a zip rope? Leo patted his hand on one of his side pockets and said, got it. All the shelves were still spinning, including the bottom one, but not as fast that they couldn't slip through as the opening appeared. Once they reached the other side, they found the stairs leading into darkness. I don't understand this hotel at all, Leo said. There must be a hidden floor here no one knows about. At the bottom of the stairs, the boys stopped abruptly, for they had stumbled into something that looked extremely fragile. Don't move, Leo said. Dude, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen, Remy said, which was saying a lot given all the rooms in the Whippet Hotel. We have to make it go. The vast floor before them was covered with thousands upon thousands of dominoes. They wound all the way through the space, up and down long ramps, through silver rings under bridges of stone. At the very center of the room sat a safe, and on top of that safe, a golden duck. He does like himself a good duck, Remy observed. I wonder how it all works, Leo said. Easy, you push one over and the whole thing tumbles. Without asking Leo, Remy touched the toe of his shiny doorman shoe to the edge of the very closest domino. No, don't, Leo warned, covering his eyes at the thought of having to set all the dominoes back up again if it didn't work. Hey, 
Remy said, touching the first domino again. It's not moving. He tapped the domino a little harder and then he kicked it. Then he jumped on top of a whole bunch of standing dominoes. None of them moved. Interesting, Leo observed, kneeling down for a closer look. They're metal. So is the floor. These are the heaviest dominoes I ever saw, Remy said, but Leo knew he was telling the truth. It's like the puzzle downstairs. The floor is a giant magnet, holding them all perfectly still. Virginsers awesome, Remy said, shaking his head at such a wacky invention. And we are going to stop there. I will see you tomorrow for the next part of this chapter.